Endowed with right vision. Buddha, through reason. Yoga, by devotional service. Vairagya, what does Vairagya mean? Detachment, by detachment. Yuktaya, strengthened. Maya Virachite, arranged by Maya. Loke, to this world. Chare, one should move about. Nyasa, relegating. Kalevaram, the body. Translation in purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Siddha Prabhupada Translation. <clears throat> Endowed with right vision and strengthened by devotional service and a pessimistic attitude towards material identity, one should relegate his body to this illusory world through his reason. Thus one can be... Thus one can be unconcerned with this material world. It is sometimes misunderstood that if one has to associate with persons engaged in devotional service, he will not be able to solve the economic problem. To answer this argument, it is described here that one has to associate with liberated persons, not directly, physically, but by understanding, through philosophy and logic, the problems of life. It is stated here, samyak darshanaya bhūnya, one has to see perfectly. And by intelligence and yogic practice, one has to renounce this world. <coughs> that renunciation <coughs> can be achieved by the process recommended in the second chapter of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. The devotee's intelligence is always in touch with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. His attitude towards the material existence is one of detachment, for he knows perfectly well that this material world is a creation of illusory energy. Realizing himself to be part and parcel of the Supreme Soul, the devotee discharges his devotional service and is completely aloof from material action and reaction. Thus, at the end, he gives up his material body or the material energy, and as pure soul, he enters the kingdom of God. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the third canto, 31st chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Lord Kapila's Instructions on the Movements of the Living Entities. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Om Ajnana Timarandasya Kananjana Shavakaya Chakshuram Nivitamyena Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manopishtam Stapitam yena 
So this speaks about knowledge, but it also talks about how people see the world through the modes of material nature. And 99% of the people in this world are experiencing the world and seeing the world through raja and tamas, passion and ignorance. Those who are in rajas, vaikalpikam, they see the world in dualities. We're constantly seeing the world through dualities, hot, cold, pleasure, pain, Android, iPhone, Xbox, PlayStation. We're constantly seeing the world through dualities. And tamasam, uh, prakritam, right? Uh, knowledge on how to properly eat, sleep, mate, and defend, and how to do that better and better. And so, seeing the world through these three modes of material nature, <coughs> one obviously, in them, they see everything as one, right? Kaivalyam. And maybe some of us have actually experienced that, right? Through mystical experiences, right? fasting, praying, we've sometimes had this, you know, 
we shed through all the dualities and we see things, oh wow, everything's one. Or sometimes we've taken psychedelics and we've just, oh my gosh, everything is one. Why am I, you know, seeing everything in duality? But the mind, right? So the three modes of material nature are acting upon us, and the antakarana, the mind, intelligence, false ego, conforms to those three modes of material nature, and the mind is accepting and rejecting. Accepting pleasure, rejecting pain. Accepting different dualities of this material world and rejecting other dualities of this material world. And we're actually not able to actually see an object as it is because of that. And in yogic, uh, yogic jargon, you have two ways of seeing. You have nirvikalpa pratyaksha and sevikalpa pratyaksha. So pratyaksha means to see, accepting right? vision, pratyaksha. Nirvikalpa pratyaksha is if you just see this cup, right? If you just see a cup, it's just a cup. And you see it at its base, um, you, you just take it out and it's a cup. You have no feelings towards it, it's just a cup. You're actually able just to see it as a plain object. But savikalpa is how we actually see the world as, oh, there's something good in that cup, I want to taste it. It becomes a different kind of object based on our taste, <coughs> our desire, our material mode, that way, rajas, passion. We want to enjoy the cup. It's not just a cup, it's actually an object that I want to enjoy. There's something pleasurable in it. And in this nirvikalpa pratyaksha, savikalpa pratyaksha, you can even break it down to different what Vaisheshika Darshan and um, Nyaya Darshan says padartas, right? different categories. So we usually see things first in a general sense. Uh, some of you, we see things as this is just a cup. But then we see it in, uh, what's the second? Vishesha. We see it in a specific way. So this is a metal cup. It's got a lid. We're seeing it specifically. It's got a design. Or if you take, see a dog outside, at first you just take it as in a general sense, so it's a dog. And then the intelligence kicks in and says, well, it's a certain type of dog. You know, it's a Labrador or, you know, it's a mud. It's mixed. You can see the different colors. So we're actually not able to see the world <laughs> in an objective neutral way, due to the three modes of material nature, due to the antakarana, the mind, intelligence, conform to those three modes of material nature, our likes and dislikes, we're actually seeing the world in a very subjective way. Even more so if you uh, splash in ideology, right? We're born into a certain society, and ideologies are placed upon us in how we see the world, how we see friends, what our different goals are. And you take the so-called American dream, 
and the whole ideology of what you accept and reject in this world and how you see this world is based upon doing your duty to enjoy and feed the economy. And Prabhupada talks about he will not be able to solve the economic problem. So people in this world, they look at devotees and they say, well, we can't associate them with them. They're detached from this material world and most of them are not living in, you know, the upper class. And so we can't associate with them because we want to be able to enjoy this material world. So we're constantly seeing the world through Bhogaishvarya prasaktanam taya parita chaitasam. Chaitasa, the mind is constantly seeing this world in bhoga and aishvarya, sense enjoyment and opulence. And because of that, samadhana vidyate. There's not going to be any samadhi, there's not going to be any firm determination in the mind for devotional service. <coughs> because we're not able to see the world as it is. And Prabhupada states, Samyak Darshanaya Bhudya, one has to see perfectly, and by intelligence in yogic practice, one has to renounce this world. That renunciation can be achieved by the process recommended in the second chapter of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. So, how do we see the world properly? How do we see it perfectly? We see it by associating with devotees, right? Not directly physically, as Prabhupada says but by understanding through philosophy and logic. <coughs> and by intelligence and yoga practice, one has to renounce this world. Second chapter, first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Does anybody have any verses memorized? I'm sure Siddha Prasadabha has most of that chapter memorized. Does anybody need to some of the young guys? I know too, so you probably have it. Second chapter. First canto. Sixth canto. So we have Savaipung Samparo Dharma, Kato Bhakti Adhokshide. We have, what's the next verse? Bhakti Yoga Prayojitaha. You know that verse, right? So I was thinking, there's so many amazing verses in that second chapter, I was like going through. But focusing on the process, right? So I don't know if others have this memory so much, but Susu Sho Shadadanasya Vasudeva Kitaruchi Sevaya Punya So by serving those who are liberated, Srila Prabhupada says one should associate with liberated persons. So by serving those liberated persons, what happens? One becomes attached, ruchi, vasudev kata ruchi. They become attached to talking about Krishna, about the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Does anybody know the next verse? Kata Krishna punya shavana kirtanam. Do you want to get the microphone? I don't know. Oh. Krishna, <laughs> <laughs> 
translation. Um, I think it says that Krishna is the Paramatma in the heart of the living entity. Um, cleanses the desire for material enjoyment in the heart of the one who has developed uh, attraction for hearing his message, which is pious when heard and chanted properly. Okay. And does anybody know the next verse? Yeah. Nashta prayeshu badreshu nityam bhagavati sevaya bhagavati uttama shloke bhakti bhavati naishtiki. By regular attendance on classes on the Srimad Bhagavatam and rendering of service unto the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is almost completely destroyed. And loving devotional service unto the transcendent Lord, who is praised with transcendental songs, is established as an irrevocable fact. Okay. Does anybody know the next verse? I don't know the next verse. But it might be. I think it's Tadar Rajas to Mupala Kamalopata Yashtri. At that time, uh, the symptoms of lust and anger, uh, which are functions of uh, rajas and tamas, passion and things, become purified. And one becomes situated in goodness. Second chapter, the whole process is given, associating with devotees, serving them, becoming attached to speaking about Krishna. That which is dirty in the heart is then cleansed by Krishna, who is Paramatma, hearing Bhagavatam, hearing the words of Krishna, Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, further destroys so many things in the heart. Raja's passion is kicked out, goodness is established. And so the process enunciated there <clears throat> is how we'll actually be able to see the world as it is, perfectly. Rising to the mode of goodness, but then going further. Nirgunam, manishtam nirgunam smritam. Understanding that everything in this world should be utilized for the service of Krishna. We're seeing the world in such a way that we're the center of the universe and everything is there for our enjoyment. Rather than placing Krishna in the center and surrendering that everything in this world is for Krishna's enjoyment. We're for Krishna's enjoyment. And so that's the kind of reflections and meditations I was thinking about in the first paragraph. And in the second paragraph, Srila Prabhupada is talking about attitude towards the material existence is one of detachment, where he knows perfectly well that this material world is a creation of the illusory energy. Realizing himself to be part and parcel of the Supreme Soul, the devotee discharges his devotional services and is completely aloof for material action and reaction. <coughs> so, thinking about the material existence, um, sometimes devotees 
when we get into this. Is the material world real? Is it illusory? It's all coming from Krishna. And at the same time, it's created by the illusory energy. This material world is a creation of the illusory energy. In a really nice <clears throat> verse, in the 11th canto, 22 chapter, 34 text, Krishna states to Uddhava that Atma Parigana Mayo Vivado Yastiti Nastiti Bidarta Nishtam Varto Pi Naivo Parameta Pumsam Paravrita Dhyam Svaloka. So, what does Krishna say? That persons who are Mata Paravrita Dhyam Svaloka, they've given up attachment to Krishna's lotus feet. Right? They're not attached to Krishna. What happens when you become detached? from Krishna's lotus feet, you become attached to arguing about this world is real, this world is unreal. You actually become addicted to trying to figure out what's real, what's unreal, and you're not surrendering to Krishna's words on the matter. And so the atma parigyana mayo vivado, the consumed by this illusory energy of just arguing, addicted to arguing about this world is real, this world is unreal. <coughs> so this world, this material existence is real because it's coming from Krishna, but it's temporary. Right? It's avyakta, vyakta. It's unmanifest, then it's manifest, then it becomes unmanifest again. <coughs> All bowed back into... Mahavishnu, I was just reading in First Canto, uh, what was it, Prabhupada in the purport, was speaking about how this world is basically just the dream of Mahavishnu. Right? Mahavishnu is lying in Yoga Nidra, and his dream is sending out all these material universes. So we're basically living in Mahavishnu's dream right now. <laughs> Which... Who needs psychedelics, right? You can just think about these awesome things like living in Mahavishnu's dream. So this world is real, but it's temporary. And we have to realize that we're part and parcel of the Supreme Soul. And the devotee discharges his devotional service. Knowing that everything, spiritual material, is coming from the Supreme Lord. What happened? Bhava Buddha, the devotee is filled with this desire to serve Krishna. So from the process of Srimad Bhagavatam, second canto, uh, first canto, second chapter, using one's intelligence, right, in the verse today, it says one should uh, strengthen by devotional service and a pessimistic attitude towards material identity. One should relegate his body to this illusory world through his reason. Thus one can be unconcerned with this material world. And I thought, wow, this is really interesting to think about in our devotional lives. That one 
can be unconcerned with this material world. Prabhupada ends the purport with <coughs> one is completely aloof from material action and reaction. Thus at the end he gives up his material body with material energy and as a pure soul he enters the kingdom of God. So we see the world we see the world perfectly. We detach ourselves from this material world through logic, reason, uh, yogic, uh, Prabhupada says, yogic practice. So by intelligence, yogic practice. One performs devotional service and then one doesn't have to care about the material world, what goes on, action, reaction, one goes back home, back to Godhead. So we're unconcerned with this material world. What does that really mean in our devotional lives? That we're unconcerned with the material world. If we see somebody dying in the street, do we just walk by and we're unconcerned? Oh, it's action, reaction, it's karma. We shouldn't be lamenting? Should we help? Should we... So many things are happening in this world. <coughs> there's political agendas, there's so many things happening, should we just be unconcerned with what's happening around us? And thinking about Srila Prabhupada, thinking about our acharyas, they weren't unconcerned with the material world. Can we say that Prabhupada was unconcerned with the material world? Or was he concerned with transforming the material world into the spiritual world? Prabhupada and our Acharyas, being such great personalities descending from the spiritual world, coming to actually show us what real vision is. Real vision of this material world is to have the spiritual vision. And thinking about a temple, thinking about living a devotee life, is that we're trying to, again, how do we see the world objectively? By basically getting rid of all those samskars, dissolving the subtle body, and then through devotional service, transforming the subtle body into realizing that all of this is meant for Krishna. So, pure soul, he enters the kingdom of God. Can we enter the kingdom of God before we die? Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the great devotees, they were seen everywhere as Vrindavan. When we take Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu going to South India and meeting Sri Ramananda Roy and Godavari River, he saw the river as Jamuna. He saw the banks of the Yamuna River as the banks of Vrindavan. Everywhere he was going, Jagannath Puri, right? Jagannath Puri, even Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, was revealing Radhakund, Shamakund, Govardhan. Through the pastimes of Lord Chaitanya, he was revealing how. Vrindavan is also there in Jagannath Puri. <laughs> we were discussing yesterday in the kitchen and seeing the temple room as Goloka Vrindavan. Right? If we actually have the real vision that Radha Govinda right here in front of us, does this mean the temple room is Goloka Vrindavan? Could we see the Yamuna River, the banks of the 
Yamuna River, could we see the pastimes of Krishna happening right in this temple room? In this temple room, why not everywhere else? But then also, to solve the real problems of life is to bring others into that spiritual atmosphere. So, when we're performing Sankirtan, that's the same thing as Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates were doing, and we're bringing others into the Sankirtan Yajna. We're performing the chanting of the holy names and bringing others in, and they're actually experiencing the spiritual world. So we're not unconcerned with this material world in a uncompassionate or, you know, um, I was thinking about pessimistic attitude towards material identity. So pessimistic attitude means material body is going to die. Everything that we're trying to grasp in this material world, it's going to eventually be destroyed. It's just the clear vision of this material world. Right? We don't have sour grape vision. Everybody knows what sour grapes means. Have you heard that term before? So sour grapes means there's grapes that are so high you can't reach them. And because you can't reach those grapes, oh, they must be sour. I don't need them. I can't, I can't get them. So I'm just going to... So because we can't be... Um, what is it? You know, uh, sometimes people become envious of the rich or sour grapes towards the rich, criticize them. And so we have a pessimistic attitude towards this material world through clear vision that it's sunset adhavanalita loka, it's a blazing fire of material existence. But we're concerned with getting others out of this illusory existence bringing them into the real existence, <laughs> bringing them into a real life, not living a false, illusory life, but to get, get them to, real, to live a real, healthy life that's in the spiritual energy, out of the material energy, and by doing that, then we can actually have the kingdom of God right now, right here, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy, but then transfer ourselves also into the spiritual world. So, it's 841, I'll stop here if there's any comments, questions, or if you have any other realizations about being unconcerned with this material. Yeah, I was thinking the same. Hearing that word, it can really default to this is kind of emotion of callousness. God doesn't matter anymore, like, you know, just throw your trash in the street, or why, you know, why worry about saving electricity, or, you know, it's the whole world's just, it's like, the whole world's like a dumpster, so why try to make the dumpster nice, etc. One can have a real sort of callous mode, and you can see how Prabhupada, when, when I hear that, I, I see it as like, my experience is not being concerned, meaning, not being concerned that I'm here to enjoy and exploit. Whereas the concern of, oh, Krishna, if Krishna is the enjoyer, he's a proprietor, Bhuktaram, Vedakatasam. So in that sense, then I'll be, quote-unquote, activist, or I'll be active because it belongs to Krishna. 
And so like our prophet was, you know, carefully turning off water, making sure the light was off during the day, writing letters behind an envelope. Seemed like, well, he seems like pretty like a concerned citizen. Why doesn't he just like get a nice blank paper and write a letter? And he's like undoing the envelope to write a letter back on the other side, or you know, making sure every penny's accounted for. Um, so very that, because Prabhupada was saying this is all Krishna's energy, So in the spirit of a servant, then I'll be active. But otherwise, Prabhupada wasn't concerned. Oh, I have these disciples I can exploit, and I have this money, I have these Rolls Royces. He was, he was not concerned. At the same time, oh, it's Krishna's energy. So it's such a perfected being to really understand how to move in that way, not being concerned for the world. But yet, such a such a uh, pure devotee moves with a great concern that, oh, this is all Krishna's energy. And then just your point about um, this temporary nature of the world. I was just recently reading some things about Momento Mori, this, the, how the Greek philosophers and Stoics, they have this like, yeah, death is coming. Now, Prabhupada uses this analogy a lot, how this world is like a slaughterhouse. And if you're in a slaughterhouse, like if you really see like, oh, I'm in a slaughterhouse, and you're aware that death is coming, you can either just be like, all right, I'm just going to like twiddle my thumb and just wait for that, I'm going to freak out. Or like, all right, we're in the slaughterhouse, and how am I, with the, the second trauma every kevalam, how is what I'm doing really valuable? So the, the Stoics and these, like Socrates and Seneca and these persons, instead of going to morbidity, the, what I read is that they then begin to really value the time that they are alive. So similarly, all right, Shrama Ebedi Kevalam, when Prabhupada uses this phrase, best, make the best use of a bad bargain. And so, all right, you know this bad hardened death is coming, but what can I do right now? And as you were saying, how can I awaken others to know, hey, that, there's a, um, we're going to get our heads cut off. It's coming up soon, and kind of wake up others to that reality so that while they're moving to, like, be the sports hero or the rock star or the supermodel or, or what to say, just, you know, want to enjoy this fancy car or, you know, my new hairdo or my new shoes, like, all right, just, you're doing all that. However, it's going to be Shrama Ibrahim Kevalam if you're not aware that it's all going to get taken away. So anyhow, I was just thinking from your class. Can, can I play devil's advocate really quick to that point? Because, I guess in, in certain talks with certain people, you talk to them about death is coming, you have to self-realize, and then it motivates them to do that, but others are like, I have a bucket list before I die. You know, like, death is coming, I have to enjoy as much as possible. So it, it seems like when we talk about death is coming, for some people, it's like a motivation to hurry up and enjoy. I want to go skydiving, I want to do this. And so how do, we, how do we talk to those persons who are like, oh yeah, death's coming, I have to enjoy as much as possible now. Well, it seems like you're referring to this verse, Borgashvaya Prasaktanam. So if one is that bewildered by material opulence and sense gratification, then very unlikely that they determine it. You might have just like pop a, some chocolate all over in their mouth or a samosa off the Torah or It's all right, just take this. Without that awareness, one's that bewildered um, by material opulence, then the determination to even self-inquire Krishna says won't take place, um, but at least, and then maybe you can respond to that as well. Um, at least for this idea of oh, I, I, you know, as a 
concerned, responsible citizen, and death is coming, then what's you know what gives value to my? You know this this means that when I started to go to higher consciousness, what's my contribution uh, in this short lifetime? Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, the hedonist and the bogarshrap, you know, the one bewildered by material opulence, they're just going to go for it. You know, all right, I'm going to try to take as many drugs or have as much sex or you know travel the world as much as I can so that I can just, I can enjoy it, and then it gets ripped away. If they're in that consciousness, um, yeah, it's, very, it's a very uh, unfortunate state. Um, but then for the person that's not so fixed on, like, I gotta enjoy it, but yet I'm sort of, like, trying to make it in this world, if, they, if, they're, if they're given that awareness, oh, that's right, oh my gosh, like, this person died, this person died, I'm, I'm, I'm next in line. And wow, I'm just getting so entangled and worrying about my own like selfish aggrandizement. What 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 can I contribute that's valuable? And ultimately, you know, serving the Krishna and service to Krishna, and it's very Krishna consciousness. But at least even that beginning of inquiring, you know, well, I'm gonna die. Who am I? And yeah. What would you say though for someone who's just very grossly entangled and just well, now I can just really exploit to the fullest because I know that my days are numbered. Yeah, as I was thinking about what, you know, like, I, I don't know, it's, there's so many examples that we have in this world of people who try to enjoy as much as possible. We, we were recently, Lolita and I were discussing this story about this girl who wanted to be, you know, like a fighter at the age of like 13. And then she got her big dream, and then she had to retire at the age of 27 due to injuries. And then, like, the emotional impact that that had on her and, you know, her family and all this stuff, like, making it so big, and then you're, like, forced into retirement. And it's like, there's so many examples in this world, or or even, you know, people who, you know, it's like Paul Getty and all these, like, crazily huge, rich, personalities in this life at the time of death you know they're like suffering like anything you know <clears throat> and uh, yeah it's like just seeing like so many examples in this world of so many people that are striving 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 and then they come to a point that oh there's something deeper in life and so like, getting so I, I was thinking about like philosophy and logic and how maybe talking with Mike and you know how most people in this world, they're not trained as young people to think about philosophy, to think about logic. You know, it's just go, 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 business, business, business. And then they have such problems in later parts of their life because they don't have that philosophy and logic there. I thought what you said was nice too. <laughs> then, you know, Maya would become our teacher, you know, again, become a mouse. Like, all right, I want to be this like teenage champion, you know, sports hero. Then you're 27, and you're finished. Your body's exhausted, you're broken, emotionally crushed because you can't keep up anymore. And then it's like, oh, man, you know, forced to be humble. So the idea is that the education is there. And even, I remember, it's like, teenage, I didn't like hearing this, like, thinking about death. I used to not be into that. Man, why all this religion saying, like, like, live now, you know, be here now. Why just, like, worry about heaven? Let's just be in the moment. And the real moment is, oh, yeah, it's like death can happen at any moment. So how am I really 
living to my you know, spiritual potential and responsibility. But there was this kind of callousness to like, no, I just, just want to be in the moment of this world. And without even considering, you know, life after death, just the response to that death is coming, that's going to be brutal. And just from observing, like, this 20, you know, he's 13, he's champion, 27 years old, that's kind of when you're just like, you know, you're already kind of like old age. The body's already like diseased and breaking down. And uh, it's humbling. It's humbling. So either you, either you get humbled in that way, or you start the Tata Brahma Jigyas, okay, now I can start inquiring. Have some association that's inspired me to question, and we honor that opportunity. Yeah. I like this kind of, this, I, it's, it sounds morbid, but it's just been really like thinking of like, oh, death coming up, death, you know, the body's kind of dwindling, and it's sort of exciting, like, wow, what's my responsibility? Mm-hmm. To that, that slaughter, that, you know, that I'm in line, and it's like I'm getting closer to, you know, versus 20 years ago, it's like, oh, it's like, hey. Oh, that, that's a big blade. <laughs> that's a bigger blade than I thought, or whatever, you know. It's like, and I can hear, oh, I can hear the cries and like the, the anxiety. I can start sensing the anxiety of those who are just a little in front of me. But when you're 13, it's like, I'm not hearing anything. It's like, it's all good. And then, you know, you're 50, 60, I can start hearing like people crying and like the animals like worrying and shuffling. Hey, what's going on? You know, it's coming up from me. I really, really appreciate the conversation that was just going on. I think um, as a young person, especially when you experience death early on, it can lead to, it can be used as a tool, but it can often lead to someone becoming either nihilistic and thinking like, okay, this person I know died, I'm going to die, nothing really matters, so why not just become as selfish as possible and live life to the fullest by my own accord because I'm going to die and like my own path, I'm just going to experience what I can, so why not? Um, or you could say, like Tushu was saying, okay, um, everything is, I'm going to die, so why not um, put my best foot forward and try to leave this material world a little bit better than I found it because, uh, like flip the coin essentially. Like, whereas most people would see it pessimistically, I'm going to see it optimistically, and I'm going to try to spread that light to others. I found that really, really refreshing and really nice. Um, but I had a question about yesterday's purport and today's purport. Um, yesterday's purport says, um, While discharging devotional service of Krishna consciousness, one should not be miserly. He should not unnecessarily, sh- unnecessarily show that he has renounced this world. Actually, renunciation is possible, is impossible. It's not that. Later on, it says, renunciation necessitates renouncing the false understanding that one can lord it over the material world. And today's report, it says, oh, let's see. There's another part of renunciation. By intelligence and yoga practice, one has to renounce this world? Yeah. So, those two are just a little confusing for me because in 47 it says renunciation is not possible renunciation is this and the verse today says renunciation is this as well so can you help clarify that a little bit as to like how we view renunciation I know some yogis see it as like 
you just wear one piece of cloth and your walking stick and you're sleeping under a different tree every night and you're just kind of not really worried, but can you define and give a good definition of how to be renounced and what renunciation looks like? Yeah. Well, I, I think it also answers in yesterday's purport about the forest and the palatial building. And Prabhupada used to give the other example of <clears throat> if you would go to, let's say you go to Bank of America. Do you have an account in Bank of America? So if you go to Bank of America and you announce to everybody, uh, everybody, I just want you to know that I renounce all of the money in, uh, in this bank. Well, it's not yours to begin with. How are you going to renounce it? So in the same way, Prabhupada is pointing out how the forest and the palatial building is the, pro the property of Krishna. So how can you renounce something that isn't yours to begin with? And so that's, that's one aspect of renunciation. And then he goes into Srila Rupa Goswami's Yukta Vairagya versus Palga Vairagya. So false renunciation, when Prabhupada's talking about renunciation isn't actually possible, it's talking about that false renunciation. Because nothing is yours. Any, but Yukta Vairagya, real renunciation, is go to today's class and seeing properly, if you see properly, everything is meant for Krishna's pleasure. So if there's something that's able to be used for glorifying Krishna, serving Krishna, and you're like, well, I'm not going to use that because you're falsely renouncing that object, you can actually take that object and give pleasure to Krishna, give pleasure to the devotees. Um, that's real renunciation. And renouncing the world in this aspect of today's purport is... Um, having the pessimistic attitude towards material identity. So one should relegate his body to this illusory world through his reason. What does relegate mean? Not regulate, but really. Yeah, to put in ca category. It can actually also mean exile, to put in exile. So relegate this body to this illusory world through his reason. So in Prabhupada talking about renouncing the world and um, one has to see perfectly and by intelligence and yoga practice one has to renounce his world he's already established real renunciation versus false renunciation so in today's purport he's talking about that real renunciation that's why he says that renunciation can be achieved by the process recommended in the second chapter of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam so he's not talking about a yogi that's just going to give up this material world <laughs> falsely renounce, but actually to uh, use everything in the service of Krishna. Yukta Vairagya. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Anyone else? Have a question, comment? Yes, Bruce, I was just uh, reflecting on the point that you were saying how uh, you know, the spiritual world is here and uh, according to the vision and I was just remembering uh, one uh, <clears throat> situation that I told this once before uh, one god sister she was uh, suggested by uh, a devotee that she uh, uh, her name's uh, Wellinger 
suggested that she <laughs> go to uh, Radhakund, right? Oh, you know, you've been in Vrindavan in India for so many years, you should just be in Radhakund. So, uh, you know, why don't you just go there? <laughs> what are you doing here? And, <laughs> uh, you know, another part of Vrindavan or something. Why are you there? Why aren't you here? At the, residing at the Kund. <laughs> so she was like, well, just thinking about it, you know. <laughs> and a little bewildered, like, why is this happening? Why is this devotee insisting like this? And then she had uh, one dream, and uh, Prabhupada was in the Krishna Ballroom Mandir, where she would always be distributing books in the Mandir, in the courtyard there, in Mandir. And so, uh, in the courtyard, uh, Prabhupada had his own little, you know, book distribution um, table, and um, and he he said to her, so uh, so I'm distributing here at Radhakund in uh, the courtyard of uh, Krishna Ballroom. I'm in Radhakund. This is Radhakund. We are distributing here at Radhakund. It's all here. And so she was just seeing that uh, Prabhupada was just encouraging her in that vision. And that uh, we, uh, we follow his instructions. And then the spiritual world is, is everywhere. You know, her, her instruction was to you know, distribute there, reside there. And uh, so uh, that's her Prabhupada And that's uh, non different than. Uh, Radhakun, Shamakun, Govardhan, Barsana, and everything else. So, uh, in that way, she uh, was emphasizing that if you just, you know, do your service, follow Guru's instructions, and have that faith, then uh, the spiritual world is everywhere with you. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai